We're back again. It's Chase and Josh with Factor Fantasy, and we are here to give you the final episode in the Obi-Wan Kenobi series here today. Diving into episode six, the shit hits the fan. We're going to see how this all plays out. Super excited to dive into it here today. Before we go ahead and do so, I'm going to turn the floor to Chase to say a few words, and then we're going to get after the finale of this series. At the top of the mountain, man. <laughs> yeah, it's game time. We're at the peak of the series, man. I'll let you take it away. Let's get it going. Sounds good. Let's raise our glasses in the air. Do a little quick cheers on the malice and the chalice side of stuff. And then I will go ahead and dive through. Like Chase had mentioned, we switched it up on you last week. He did two in a row. He took you through episode four, took you through episode five. I'm here to take us home through episode six. Let's fucking go. Cheers, my man. Let's go! Malice in the Chalice, baby. It's all you, man. Let's make it happen. Alright, so for Obi-Wan Kenobi, episode 6. The episode opens up back on Tatooine, where we get a little full circle moment, because we get that foreman from episode 1. Remember he ripped off that worker who tried to get the money out of the thing? He said, hey, this is only half, and... You know, uh, that, that guy is back again, the big, mean foreman, and he pushes out another man of the way so that we can get to the front of the line. I don't know if this guy was serving some sort of drinks or something or soup. I don't know, but he was throwing people out of the way. And I uh, think like I said, that little full circle moment because he says the same thing that he said back in episode one to Obi-Wan. Remember when Obi-Wan witnessed him push that older man? And uh, I'm sorry, not push the older man, but they tell him, like, uh, hit him in the stomach and told him, like, you know, next time you'll go nothing. And, you know, he turned around to Obi-Wan and said, something you want to say? Well, he just kind of had this full circle moment, did that same sort of deal after he pushed that man out of the way. He's like, something you want to say to the person who was serving whatever it was, the drinks or the soup or the food, whatever. And from the side, we hear Reva's voice. And she says, I have something to say. And that foreman turns around ready to give her a hard time, tells her to wait her turn and that she can have what's left when he's done. But she loses her patience, and she force smacks the cup out of the man's hands, and he realizes he's outmatched here. And we still we see it, because obviously we know what happened last week. Reva was stabbed by Darth Vader in that really cool battle that she had no chance in. And she's still walking around, though. She was able to survive the lightsaber through the chest or the stomach, wherever he hit her through. But anyways, Reva's still wounded, and she's moving slowly, and her words come out of, as if she's in a lot of pain. And... She goes to the man pouring the stuff, and she says, I'm looking for a farmer named Owen. And from there, the scene cuts to the transport ship with the survivors of the past making their way through space with the Empire Destroyer on their tail attempting to gun that ship down. Vader tells him, increase the firepower. So at that point, the scene moves inside the transport ship, and Roken tells everyone that the hyperdrive is almost ready and that they need to move all of the power to the rear shields and that they'll make their way for the planet Tessin and get them out from there. But Obi-Wan, he realizes there's something wrong, and he goes to speak to Roken on the side. Obi-Wan says, we're not going to make it to Tessin, are we? Roken replies, the motivator's shot. The power couplings are bad. I'm working on it, but those shields won't last forever. And Obi-Wan asks him, how much time do you need? Roken says, more than we have. And the shots from the destroyer are bouncing off the transport ship shield, rocking the ship, and the people are scared. And this is one thing I, I thought they did amazing with Leia's progression and really showing how amazing she is for a 10-year-old girl. 
Leia has been letting people borrow her droid Lola to keep their minds off their current situation. And so she's just been, you know, sacrificing her own comfort and letting other people play with Lola so that way it, it, it helps the fear a little bit. And even Obi-Wan jokes, he said, well, maybe I should borrow Lola too. And so at that point, the scene moves back to Tatooine. And Owen goes into a shop with the boy Luke. And they need a new belt for the speeder since Luke broke the last one. And again, this is not so much a full circle, but it's kind of like a, a wink back to Tatooine in episode one of the prequels, uh, The Phantom Menace, because we know Anakin was huge into the ships. And he was like one of the greatest pilots, especially for his age back at the time. And it looks like Luke is taken after his father, you know, to destroy this, the, the belt on it. The, yeah, the, the, the new belt for the speeder. So the man who Reva questioned, who was pouring the drinks or the, the food, walks into that shop and finds Owen and tells Owen what happened and that Reva is looking for them. At that point, the scene cuts back to Obi-Wan and he tells Leia that he is going to go off separately in a dropship to avert Vader's attention towards him so that everyone else can get away. Leia doesn't like that idea, and neither do the other passengers, but Obi-Wan tells him that this diversion will give Roken the time he needs to fix the ship. And Obi-Wan tells everyone, You've spent ten years protecting the Jedi. This is my chance to return that favor. And Obi-Wan tries to reason with them, telling them that they are the future, and they are what needs to survive. Like He's like, I'm an old man. Like I've done my part. Like Whatever happens to me, it doesn't matter. You guys are what needs to survive. I'm not important here. Leia doesn't want to accept that, and she kind of sulks and walks off, and Obi-Wan grabs Haja to the side and, and makes uh, Haja promise that he'll get Leia home to Alderaan, and Haja gives Obi-Wan his word that he will. The scene cuts back to Owen, and he gets back to the farm and tells his wife Beru what's happening and how Reva's coming for, for Luke. Owen tells her that they need to leave and take Luke and hide somewhere, but his wife Beru, she disagrees and says they should stay and defend their home. She tells Owen that they are enough to protect him, and they start pulling out weapons from a secret hole in the wall. I thought that was pretty fucking cool. <laughs> but at that point, Baru, she's pretty smart too. We don't get enough of her in this series, in my opinion. But she says, she'll come when the suns go down. Best we get positioned now. That motherfucker was just ready for battle already. Like, she had no worries. He was like, let's do it. <laughs> let's defend the farm. But at that point, the scene moves back to the transport. And Haja spoke to Leia. And Obi-Wan approaches her, and they talk. So Leia is upset because Obi-Wan told her that he'd take her home, and Obi-Wan tells her that he wishes that he could, and that to tell her father that he tried. And Obi-Wan gives Leia a gift. It's the holster that Tala held her blaster in. And now this is a full circle moment, slash also a foreshadow in one fell swoop. It's a full circle from episode 3 in this series, where Tala told Leia that she holds her blaster on a certain side of her body because it gives her a faster draw, and that's when Leia asked Tala if Tala could teach her to shoot, which Tala then said, Obi-Wan, she'll be a great fighter one day. And Obi-Wan says, yes, I think she might be. So that was like a foreshadow for what, and like, so that was, a, that was a full circle. Then it's also a foreshadow for what we see Leia wearing in the original trilogy of Star Wars back with like A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back and The Return of the Jedi. So really badass. Then... Leia talking about the holster, she says, it's empty. And Obi-Wan says, well, I wasn't going to give you a blaster, Leia. You're 10 years old, but you won't always be. And that's when Leia hugs Obi-Wan goodbye and says, come back, please. And Obi-Wan tells her, I promise. So Obi-Wan sits inside the port alone. He's messing with his lightsaber. And then this reoccurring theme that comes out to play again in almost every single episode. I think there's only one episode where he's not mentioned. And it might have been last episode, honestly. 
Uh, but he calls out for his former master, Qui-Gon Jinn, again. Obi-Wan says, I have to face him, master. Whether he dies or I do, this ends today. Roken then comes in and tells him that the dropship is all set, but that he doesn't have to do this, and says they can still fix the drive, but Kenobi tells him that he has to go, and to keep, then tells Roken to keep them safe. And what Obi-Wan says to Roken, I think is pretty powerful. He says, Roken, there are not many leaders left. People follow you. Don't stop. And Roken replies, I'm just getting started. Thought that was pretty cool. <laughs> but the scene then moves to space with the Imperial Destroyer still shooting at the transport ship. Then we see that dropship fall and fly in another direction. And that's Obi-Wan Kenobi trying to keep the people safe. Now, one of the captains aboard Vader's ship as the scene moves into the Imperial Destroyer tells Vader that they are tracking the escape craft and that there is only one life form aboard. And Vader says, that's him. And see, this is the part where we argued yesterday, or last week, I apologize. We argued last week about Vader's ability to see the full picture and how I don't believe he's necessarily the smartest individual because he's getting great advice and we see he doesn't always accept it because he thinks he knows better, but oftentimes uh, things would have turned out probably more in his favor if he would have just taken a step back and thought things through. But the Grand Inquisitor, the real one, the one that we thought was dead in episode two that came back to take the pin off Reva's, not, not dead, but dying body. Apparently she's still alive, obviously, because she's in the episode. But uh, he comes and he tells Vader that they must continue the pursuit of the insurgents because it's their chance to wipe out the Paths network in its entirety, that they can't prioritize one lone Jedi. And Vader responds, he's not just any Jedi. Follow Kenobi. And that's when the Imperial Destroyer shifts its aim and its course and starts following Obi-Wan. Now the scene moves back to Tatooine and the suns are going down and Owen and Beru are preparing. And Owen tells Luke, Now Luke, I need you to listen to me. The Tuscans are on the hunt again. They're raising farms along the wastes, so stay in here. If anything goes wrong, you know what to do. You run. Luke tells him, I'm not afraid. And Owen says, I know. Everything's gonna be fine. And that's when the scene moves back to the Imperial Destroyer chasing Kenobi. Kenobi starts to move towards a, a specific planet. And Vader tells his subordinates to ready a ship that he will face Kenobi alone. Again, another... You know, him just like not thinking things through. He just really believes that he's enough to do everything. You know, but just not the smartest crayon in the crayon box, right? But anyways, Obi-Wan lands on that planet. And Vader's not far behind him as he leaves the Destroyer on his ship to give chase. Now, the scene moves to Leia. I'm sorry, not, no, actually, my apologies. Leia, what she did when she last saw Obi-Wan, she snuck Lola, the droid, into Obi-Wan's pocket. Well, that's a really sweet moment. I thought that was really cool. And, and Obi-Wan, he even smiles knowing what that meant to her to give Obi-Wan her droid, Lola. So he puts Lola on the ship's dashboard and he exits the craft. And now the scene moves back to Tatooine where Reva approaches the farm and the perimeter alarms go off and Owen tells his wife, Beru, it's time. Then the scene moves back to Vader landing his ship and exiting his craft. And he is face to face with Obi-Wan once more. And they are alone. It's one on one, just like in the Revenge of the Sith. And Darth Vader speaks to Obi-Wan at this point in time. He says, have you come to destroy me, Obi-Wan? And Obi-Wan says, I will do what I must. 
And that's a fucking full-ass circle moment from The Revenge of the Sith where Anakin says, If you're not with me, you're my enemy. And Obi-Wan <laughs> says, Only a Sith deals in absolutes. I will do what I must. So full fucking circle moment. And I was badass. Like, we had him one-on-one back then, and we got him one-on-one now. And Darth Vader says, Then you will die. But go ahead and tell me what you thought about that. I uh, just wanted to say a side note. It could have only been better with one line. You can try. <laughs> if they had added that, that would have taken everything for me. But it was still badass, though. I was just sitting there waiting for the, you can try. <laughs> it was great, though, man. It was excellent. That's your boy, man. That's your boy. <laughs> it's all you. It's all you, man. Take it away. Yeah, that was one of my favorite quotes, but... It was a, you will try, not you can try. It's like, you will oh, try. Sorry. But still, yeah. it's all right. You we will knew, try. We knew what you were trying to say. We'll accept it anyways. But anyways, we'll we're going to go it. into this bad boy <laughs> yeah. here. The battle begins. And already, right from the beginning, it's a better fight than in episode three in this series where Vader was just kicking Obi-Wan's ass up and down the fucking planet on, uh, what was it, Mapuzo. So, uh, it's a more even battle this time around. And after a few really dope lightsaber sequences, the scene moves back to Riva at Owen's farm. She ignites her lightsaber, and Owen and Brew are in their positions with their guns ready to fire. And Owen opens fire first, but misses over Riva's shoulder. Riva turns around with her lightsaber ready to attack, and then Baru starts opening fire as well. And they're shooting down at Riva, and Riva is just deflecting their shots with her saber. Owen is knocking things down over the ledge in an attempt to bar her way. And is just doing everything he can. Because keep in mind, Owen and Beru, they're just regular human civilians. They've got no ability, no Jedi ability. They can't wield a lightsaber. They can't use the Force. They are just simple humans trying to protect Luke, who is a very important boy in this universe. So let's just give them their flowers for doing everything they can, knowing that they're outmatched by this, this fall. I don't want to say fallen Jedi, but Jedi who kind of took the wrong path, so to speak. So anyways... The scene then moves back to Obi-Wan and Vader's duel. We get really great lightsaber sequences, super badass to see on screen. Obi-Wan doing rolls and shit, looking more like the badass that he was that we grew up with in the prequels. And they both start using the Force, and Obi-Wan tries to topple a cliff onto Vader. Vader Force stops it and says, Your strength has returned, but the weakness still remains. And then he launches the cliff away, and Force throws a boulder at Obi-Wan, who cuts it in half with his saber. Then Vader starts gaining ground and overtaking Obi-Wan. He slams his hand to the ground, and with the force, he starts cracking the earth. And he says, and that is why you will always lose. And he creates a hole in the ground, almost like a crater, and Obi-Wan falls down inside of it. And Vader stands over the precipice of that cliff he just created in that crater and starts force-launching cliffs and boulders onto Obi-Wan down in the crater, just launching them on top of his head, one after another, just nonstop, boom, boom, boom. And then after he got done, I don't know, through maybe, what, six, seven, eight of those damn things on top of him, he says, Did you really think that you could defeat me? You have failed, master. Then Vader deactivates his saber and starts walking back to his ship while the screen pans to the inside of the ground in the crater where Obi-Wan is pinned under. Now, the scene moves back to Tatooine and Reva is fighting Owen. Like I said, it's hardly a fair fight, but Owen's trying... And Reva Force throws a barrel at him, hitting him hard in the shoulder, causing him to drop his gun, and he's hurt at this point. And Reva looks at Owen and says, You really love the boy, like he's your own. And Owen replies, 
he is my own. Owen starts swinging some sort of pipe and manages to catch Riva, but not hard enough to do any real significant damage. And Owen asks her what she wants, and Owen's, and, uh, yeah, Owen asks Riva what she wants, and Riva just says, justice. And she overpowers him, cuts his pipe in half, and force tosses Owen over the side onto the ground. And he yells to Baru and tells her that Riva is coming. That's when Riva enters the room, and Baru smashes Riva over the head with something and yells for Luke to run. So Riva tosses Baru to the floor and tries to grab Luke, but he escapes out of the hole in the ceiling. Uh, so, yeah, hole in the roof, I should say. And then he takes off running through the desert, and Riva is running after him. She's in pain, but she's determined. Now the scene cuts back to the rubble atop Obi-Wan. And underneath the pile, we see him using the force with all his might to keep the boulders from crashing down on him. And he hears Anakin's voice inside his head. Like old Anakin, like from the prequels. It says, This is the end for you, my master. Admit that you are beaten. Then the Darth Vader's voice pops in his head and says, You cannot run, Obi-Wan. Then the voice goes back to the old Anakin. I see through the lies of the Jedi. You're my enemy. And then the voice back to Vader. You should have killed me when you had the chance. Then back to the old Anakin. I do not fear the dark side. Then back to Vader. I am what you made me. And it seems like he's about to give up. But then he sees flashes in his mind of Leia and Luke and how much they mean to him and how much they're going to need him and how he can't die here. And with a great effort, he force launches the boulders off him, hops out of the crater, and he's ready for round two, bitches. He's ready for round two. Let's fucking go. And at that point... Vader and Kenobi relock into battle using both lightsabers and the Force. Seemingly, they are an equal strength and ability at this point. Now, Kenobi ends up Force tossing Vader into a cliff, then raises his arms Night King style, and Force raises all these boulders around him and raining them down on Vader, smashing him in the shoulder, smashing him in the helmet, and Vader's taking hit after hit. But to Vader's credit, he ends up fighting his way through it, and they are saber fighting once again. Now, at this point, the scene cuts back to Tatooine with Reva running after Luke. And she's injured and struggling, but she's still hot on his trail. And we see Luke doing his best to slowly crawl up the mountain and escape. And she hasn't found him yet. Then the scene moves back to Vader versus Kenobi. And they are interlocked, going blow for blow. And eventually, Kenobi uses the hilt of his saber to damage the control square of Vader's suit. Then Force throws a boulder, which smashes Vader across the head. And we start to see, at this point, Vader's strength is starting to fade. He's wheezing, and he starts swinging wildly, and Obi-Wan slashes him across the back with his lightsaber. At this point, Obi-Wan is firmly in control of the battle. And Vader, he gets up and hacks at Obi-Wan, who, who easily just blocks it, then force throws Vader back, causing Vader to fall to one knee. Then Obi-Wan hits a fucking sick combo move, where he jumps off the rock, Superman style, swings his saber down, catching Vader flush on the helmet, cracking it open. And Obi-Wan is back up and ready to continue, but Vader looks as if he's all out of fight left in him. There's nothing left he's got. And Vader lifts his head up, and we see the scorched Anakin underneath, where Kenobi's saber slashed the helmet. So we've got half helmet here, other half has like the, like the, the burned flesh in one eye of Anakin, and like the mouthpiece is barely working, like the mouth breathing apparatus can barely understand him, and you can kind of hear Vader's voice, but Anakin's voice at the same time because of how he damaged it. But um, Obi-Wan says, Anakin. And Vader rises to his feet. And with great effort, he says, Anakin is gone. I am what remains. And Obi-Wan replies, I am sorry. I'm sorry, Anakin, for all of it. And Vader says, I am not your failure, Obi-Wan. 
You didn't kill Anakin Skywalker. I did. The same way I will destroy you. Nobi Wan replies, Then my friend is truly dead. Goodbye, Darth. Nobi Wan walks off, and he could have ended it all again, right there, but chooses mercy. Even though, and I will bring this up in a little bit, remember at the very beginning of this episode when he's reaching out to Qui-Gon, he says, This ends today, either he dies or I do. Apparently that was a lie, but anyways, <laughs> so uh, I thought that was ridiculous, but anyways, Vader starts shouting, Obi-Wan! Obi-Wan! And then he's super weak and falls to one knee again, and Obi-Wan gets back to his dropship and flies off the planet. Now the scene moves back to Reva, and she's scouring the area for Luke. Luke slips and falls on the rocks, and he's crying out, and Obi-Wan, now fully in tune with the Force, has his full powers back, Here's Luke, and he hits hyperdrive in his ship, making his way back to Tatooine. At that point, the scene moves back to Reva, and she comes across Luke's unconscious body, and she ignites her lightsaber. Then she starts to see herself in him, and starts to have doubts. She raises her lightsaber up, and she's about to strike down, and the scene shifts to Obi-Wan, who's arriving on Tatooine. He lands, and he hears Owen and Baru calling out for Luke. And Obi-Wan runs up to them, asking where Luke is, and they tell Obi-Wan that he's gone. So Obi-Wan tells him that they'll look in the dead sea. He says, we'll look in the dune sea, and we're going to search until we find him. And in the distance, we see Reva carrying Luke's body back toward them. She sets the boy down on the ground and looks at Obi-Wan. And at this point in time, where the the camera pans and what it looks like with Luke's body here, the little 10-year-old boy unconscious, the boy looks dead. And everyone starts to catch their breath. But eventually, after a few moments, Luke starts stirring and moving. Owen picks him up, and he and Brew take Luke back to the farm, leaving Reva alone with Obi-Wan. And Reva tells Obi-Wan, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I failed them. He killed them all, and I couldn't do it. Obi-Wan responds, You haven't failed them. By showing mercy... You have given them peace. You have honored them. And Reva looks to Obi-Wan and asks, Have I become him? And Obi-Wan responds, No, you have chosen not to. Who you become now, that is up to you. And Reva pulls out her lightsaber, and it's not ignited, it's just like the lightsaber hilt, and she tosses it in the sand. And Obi-Wan looks at her and says, Now you're free. We both are. At that point, the scene moves to Darth Vader's stronghold, and his suit and his helmet are fully repaired again, and he's having a hologram meeting with a very familiar character, Darth Sidious, a.k.a. Palpatine. And Vader tells him, the probes are tracking every system within range. We will destroy everything in our path until he is found. And Palpatine responds, you seem agitated, my friend. Invader replies, he will not evade me again. To which Palpatine says, I wonder if your thoughts are clear on this, Lord Vader. Perhaps your feelings for your old master have left you weakened. If your past cannot be overcome, and then Vader cuts him off, Kenobi means nothing. I serve only you, my master. And the hologram meeting ends with the Imperial March music playing out. 
And at that point, the scene moves over to Alderaan, and we see Leia getting dressed in a very familiar outfit. And the, like, we are going to see uh, back in 1970-whatever, <laughs> when the new hope came out. <laughs> but anyways, uh, it's a very familiar outfit and hairstyle, complete with Tala's old holster. And her mom walks in and asks if there's a... If, she's like, is that a holster? And then ends up laughing it off and says, I love it. And they end up walking out, and her adoptive father, Bail Organa, is there waiting on them. And he sees Leia, and he smiles. And Leia says, you said there are many ways to lead. And Bail responds, looks like I was right. And Leia tells him, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to want to change a few things. And Bail responds, then let's change things together. And Leia asks him, so who is it today? More cousins? And Bail says, not exactly. And off the ship that landed on Alderaan walks Obi-Wan with her droid Lola, and Leia is so happy to see them. She screams, Lola! And Obi-Wan kind of is like this chuckling because of all the stuff he went through, and Leia is just super happy to see her droid. Basically, didn't even like, <laughs> like acknowledge Obi-Wan, and Obi-Wan says, Who am I to separate a young lady from her droid? Then Obi-Wan walks up, greets Bail and Brea, and they tell him that they can never repay him, to which Obi-Wan looks over at Leia and says, She has already done that. And Bale tells Obi-Wan, he says, I fear for her future. The Empire grows stronger and bolder. And Obi-Wan responds, well, if you ever need my help again, you know where to find me. To which Bale responds, let's hope that day never comes. Then Obi-Wan makes his way over to Leia to say goodbye, and Leia asks him, so what do you do now? And Obi-Wan replies, I don't know. What do you think I should do? Leia says, I think you should sleep. <laughs> and Obi-Wan's laughing, and she, he, he tells her, I think you're right. And then he starts to get serious again. He says, Leia, when I said before that I didn't know your parents, then he like, takes a breath and gathers himself. He says, Princess Leia Organa, you are wise, discerning, kind-hearted. These are qualities that came from your mother. But you are also passionate and fearless, forthright. These are gifts from your father. Both were exceptional people who bore an exceptional daughter. I wish I could tell you more. And Leia says, it's okay. You don't have to. Thank you. Then asks him, will I ever see you again? Nobiwan replies, maybe, someday, if you ever need help from a tired old man. But we must be careful. No one must know, or it could endanger us both. And Leia gives him a big hug and says, Goodbye, Obi-Wan. And Obi-Wan returns the hug and says, Goodbye, Princess. May the Force be with you. And Obi-Wan gets back to his ship and takes off, leaving Alderaan. At, that point, at this point, the scene moves to Tatooine, where Obi-Wan is grabbing all of his possessions from his cave home that he had in the beginning of the series, <laughs> and he sees the toy ship that he got for Luke. And he decides to bring that along as well. And he leaves his cave behind. Now the scene moves over to Owen trying to get his farm back in order after Reva's attack. And Obi-Wan ends up approaching his farm on his Eopi. And Owen asks Obi-Wan what he's doing there because he thought Obi-Wan was going to keep his distance. To which Obi-Wan assures him that he will. Obi-Wan tells Owen, You know, you were right. He just needs to be a boy. The future will take care of itself. The only protection he needs now, Owen is you and Baru. Take good care of him. 
and Obi-Wan goes to leave, and Owen calls after him and asks if he wants to meet Luke. So Obi-Wan approaches Luke with the toy ship in his hand, and he says, Hello there. And that's all we get of the interaction between Obi-Wan and Luke. And at that point, the scene shifts to Obi-Wan riding off in the desert on his EOP. And then on the right-hand side, we see a spirit start to form. And we see Qui-Gon Jinn, Leon motherfucking Neeson, back in action, not in action, but he's back on screen. Qui-Gon Jinn, (laughs) Leon motherfucking Neeson finally appears to Obi-Wan after all this time. You got that full circle moment from where Yoda said, you know, he's going to teach him to uh, communicate with his old master. And so we got a little bit of dialogue here between Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon. Obi-Wan says, Master Qui-Gon. And Qui-Gon replies, well, took you long enough. And Obi-Wan says, I was beginning to think you'd never come. And Qui-Gon tells him, I was always here, Obi-Wan. You just were not ready to see. Come on, we've got a ways to go. And Qui-Gon's spirit disappears to sight, and Obi-Wan follows along as a screen pans out, and that's the end of the episode. So that is the end of it all, the climax, the mountaintop, the, the very, very end of the miniseries, Obi-Wan Kenobi. There was some great shit there, one of my favorite things to run through. That was one of my favorite recaps I've ever done on this show. So I don't know, man, how did we do? Did we cover everything? There's anything else that you want to add to it? Talk to me about it. It's badass, man. You killed it. Uh, Just a couple of things. I don't know if you picked up on this. So uh, a couple of full circle moments here. So when Obi-Wan hit Vader's helmet, um, if you go back to Return of the Jedi, when Luke in the originals takes off the helmet of Vader, you see a scar on, it was actually the left side of his head. They tried to say from that lightsaber hit, that's where he got that scar is from this moment right here. That's, what do you think of that? That's weird because you would think you would see any sort of mark on his head when he looked back up and we saw the, the helmet kind of in a rough shape and you know it was cracked and you saw like the face underneath. You would think that you would see a scar or like a bleeding wound or something if there's going to be a scar on his, on his head from that specific battle. I don't know. It's hard to convince me that there's going to be a scar if you don't even see an open wound right after it happened. <laughs> I, I did. I saw it there. Oh, then maybe, then <laughs> it's, it's on screen. <laughs> maybe I got to go back and see it because I, I very, very likely could have missed it. So Yeah, it's not bleeding, but you can definitely see it there, like when it's all cracked open and stuff. So I saw it there, but um, yeah. So And then the only other thing was uh, when Obi-Wan meets uh luke for the first time he says well hello there so that's an iconic line from clone wars where the voice actor that plays obi-wan he started doing that um on the show and it became so prominent that um ewan mcgregor that plays obi-wan wanted to bring it into the show so just a cool interesting fact there i guess because you guys love interesting facts (laughs) but uh yeah man no i thought you killed it it's been a one hell of a ride um what do you think like what debates did you have about this episode how would you what takeaways did you have from this thing yeah, my takeaways so what i really appreciated about this here is i didn't find any significant plot holes like we talked about last week and this it, it, it obviously that did uh, that's going to affect the, the storyline as a whole going into the plot holes we talked about last week but if we take this episode standalone like we're covering it here today there wasn't a whole lot I had a problem with. I actually really enjoyed it, and it was just action on action. 
you know, it first starts off and their their ships under attack by the Imperial destroyer. And then he goes off on his side, tries to make it to a planet to draw Vader away. Then Reva, you know, she's trying to attack Owen's farm over on Tatooine. So we had, you know, Obi-Wan versus Darth Vader. We had Reva versus Owen in Baru. You know, we had some flashbacks. Yeah, we had some full circle moments. It was just really cool. I honestly think this was uh, a great uh, like standalone episode. And it tied a lot of stuff together. And there was a lot of things that we needed to see that we did see, which was really cool. Um, yeah, overall, didn't have a lot of issues with a lot of things. I do, I, I do have a slight issue, but again, this is just more. This isn't a plot hole. This is just something I have a, a slight issue with the fact that, as you mentioned already last week, that Riva ended up surviving the lightsaber attack, and you know she goes right into attack mode immediately. Like she's going searching for Luke. You think that she would kind of gain some strength first and maybe heal up and then go after Luke, right? But I guess the way you can argue that is like, well. You know, maybe the, the maybe Haja and Obi Wan will realize the transmission's been missing, and so she feels like she's got to act quickly before they realize, oh fuck, we got to hide this boy or something. So I can see how that could be explained off. But then to talk about what we talked about last week as well, when we were mentioning, does Obi Wan ever realize that, hey, Haja, give me that transmitter, and then Haja's like, ah, shit, I don't have it. That actually never comes up to play. Like that it simply just it disappeared from our thoughts and our our minds. Apparently. Uh, you know, Haja and Obi-Wan never thought that was a big deal, or maybe there was just more pressing issues at the time where Vader's on their ass and Obi-Wan's going to handle it this way. So, yeah, overall takeaways, great episode, small things here or there that I can be nitpicky about, but nothing to the point where I am upset, where I think it's going to take away from the value of this specific episode to the series. I think this episode is a great way to end the miniseries that we received, and, you know, who knows if we'll get anything similar you know, and we can even talk about that next week in our bonus episode. But uh, yeah, no, I think it was great. Uh, overall, I'll give this episode a 9.3 out of 10. And that's how I, that's how I'll, I'll end my takeaways on it. What about you? What takeaways did you have? Yeah, I mean, the thing I loved most about this episode is the full circle moments and the writing. And you can definitely kind of tell, you know, they really did everything they could to bring everyone back. I mean, I kind of wish Qui-Gon Jinn was brought back a little sooner than the last 30 seconds of a limited series. That's another topic we'll have more going to next week. (laughs) But, you know, overall, it's fantastic. The writing was great. I wish, yeah, maybe, like, Obi-Wan would have asked for his transmitter back. I mean, maybe she threw that in the sand, too. Like, you know, maybe that's leaves off for who knows what may happen later maybe someone finds a transmitter in Tatooine (laughs) I don't know man but um no it was great just an overall well-written episode um I like the battle scene specifically more last episode but this was your classic Obi-Wan Darth Vader fight I mean honestly like there is not a fight like this other than the original one which you can tell Obi-Wan's definitely lost an even bigger step 10 years down the road. So it's definitely the perfect one. You know, it's right in between uh, Vader's at his peak, and you kind of have that reminiscing of the original fight on Mustafar that they had, which was uh, the Battle of Heroes. There you go. I fixed it this time from what I said last week. So I'll, I'll give it uh, the plot holes killed it for me last week, even though I really loved that episode. But so I'll give this one. I ranked last week's episode 
give this one a 9.0. I think that's fair. I don't think anything is necessarily perfect, but it was just really well written um, and everything that they tried to connect with each other. I think they ended it on a high note, man. It's been one hell of a ride on this end. Uh, what debates did you have? Yeah, before I jump into my debate for the day, I also want to talk about this a little bit. And obviously, we've spoken and everyone's seen, I hope if you're a Star Wars fan, seen A New Hope, uh, which is like the very, very first. <laughs> I would hope so, literally. That was so punny. <laughs> I hope you guys have all seen it. But my, my, the reason I'm bringing this up right here is we see the progression along the years, right? So in Revenge of the Sith, we see Obi-Wan versus Anakin. And even though it's a close-ish battle, Obi-Wan never seemed like he was outmatched in the initial battle of the heroes. And then and ends up culminating in him taking Anakin's arms and legs off, right? So Obi-Wan pretty, pretty handily took that battle victory himself. Now this kind of halfway, I wouldn't say halfway, but like maybe what's right before a half, like, you know, a quarter i don't know but either way so because yeah. it's not i wouldn't say exactly during the timeline between because this is only 10 years later and who knows how many because you saw how old we want looks in a new hope so there's got to be even like a big gap of years in between you know and plus obviously luke's got to grow up to be the yeah actually you know what it is it, i think it would be actually halfway because it is about yeah you're right years. no yeah absolutely because i'm thinking about it now because luke's supposed to be 10 right now and he's gonna be 19 when we come up in a new hope so actually yes this is this is an an absolute perfect middle of the ground here. So Obi Wan pretty handily won the battle of the heroes. It wasn't much of a like not to say it's not much of a contest. It took everything he had to do it, but there was no part where you thought Obi Wan was going to lose there. Now in this battle here, Obi Wan like they were they were even, and then Vader got the drop on him and ends up the smashing these cliffs and stuff down. So you're thinking, shoot, Vader was able to to beat him or at least get him, put him in a heavy danger to where we're at least questioning it. And at that point. He comes. He he has that like epiphany of all the people that need him and the people he cares about, and he's able to come out of it almost like Super Saiyan style and fighting Frieza after Frieza killed Krillin, right? So he's like, and now he's back to like the full force uh, Obi Wan that he was, and he ends up, you know, overtaking Vader again. So at this point, we have like a more even battle where Obi Wan looked like he could have lost it pretty quickly. I want to say pretty quickly, but he looked like he could have lost that battle, but he comes back and wins. Then we go to the New Hope, and we know what happens in the New Hope: Darth Vader kills Obi Wan. Right, so it's like we, we go from one end of the spectrum to the other end of the spectrum. Like Obi Wan effectively kills Anakin Skywalker, and Obi Wan and Darth Vader duel it out and have a back and forth. But Obi Wan eventually overtakes him, and then we got Obi Wan and Darth Vader, and Darth Vader kills Obi Wan in A New Hope. So I just I kind of thought that's pretty cool if we think of the, the timeline and, and you know how it almost is directly halfway in between, um, you know where we left off after the Order sixty six and the pickup of A New Hope. So really cool shit, man. Really cool shit. In terms of my debate for the day. This is going to really play a factor when I talk about certain things next week as well, too. But, you know, my debate is, why does Vader just not listen to anyone? Like, I know why. Like, I, shouldn't, I shouldn't ask that. That's, that's not really my question. My question, I guess, is, like, if he would have listened to the Grand Inquisitor and followed the insurgents, the path, and destroyed the path, 
that would have, in my mind, drawn Obi-Wan out again, at the very least. If they, like, because, like, Obi-Wan thought he was, like, playing chess. He said, hey, listen, I know Anakin so well. I know Darth Vader so well. He's going to follow me and direct all attention towards me. That would have been a great moment for Darth Vader to be like, nah, he's expecting me to do this. I'm going to go attack them to draw him back out there. So I'm going to get two birds with one stone. I'm going to take out the path. And I got Kenobi, like, one-on-one afterwards because he's going to have to come back and save these fuckers because he thought that I was going to follow him. But guess what, bitch? I'm not following you. I'm, I'm outmaneuvering you. But no, he doesn't listen to Grand Wizard. He do, he plays right into Obi Wan's hands, and he has this whole issue where he, he ends up defeated uh, on one knee on this damn planet with half his helmet broken. So like, I don't know. Just like, what what the fuck is Vader's problem? This is the, the debate. Like, you know, I just I don't understand why why uh, you know he doesn't take any sort of advice from his advisors. There's his advisor. They are his advisors for a reason, and you would think that you know they would be able to help out in some sort of way but he just can't seem to overcome himself like why can't he overcome himself yeah what's interesting about this you know making a game of thrones reference again baby fuck yeah let's fucking go ah my two of my favorite characters what a real fall from grace both of them that's what i will say I think you know who I'm going to make a reference to here. <laughs> well, one had such a fantastic hand that could have advised her, and she chose not to listen to him either. <laughs> so, exactly. Uh, the common ground here, I will say, is they both decided to make it personal. And uh, I understand what you're saying is he's not exactly intelligent, Vader, but at the same time, the guy did know how to make an entire pod racer, so we have to bring that into account. He did win a pod race back when he was like 10 years old, speaking of the timeline of 10, right? And Qui-Gon Jinn, talk about a full circle moment there. But this is where they both fall from grace. Neither one of them listens to their advisors. Neither one of them. Daenerys chose to make it personal burn down King's Landing with everyone in it, and then when she won, what was left to rule? <laughs> there was nothing there! You were rolling over ash and sand! <laughs> That's all that was there! There was a metal chair, and then sand! <laughs> and ash! That was it! And then because of what you did, it caused the one person that could have probably talked you down to reason that would have supported you the entire time had to make a choice to kill you like unfortunately going to vader here you chose to make it personal it probably would have drawn obi-wan out here and bring it all back to the same instance as danny the one person if you had listened to the real advisor you had your entire life he probably been the would have been the one to support you the entire time because you were supposed to bring balance to the fucking force. But you chose to let your own arrogance and personal vendetta get in the way of this, which goes back to, which I understand it was awful what happened to Anakin. I, I don't agree with th that it was right at all what happened to him, and it sucks. And yeah, he was basically shit on his entire time. Even going to my boy Yoda, basically shit on him and said so much fear in you in front of the entire council. It was wrong. And he had his own mother killed, which was fucking awful. He went through some shit. Danny did too. Her fucking best friend was killed right in fucking front of her. I love Danny. She's awesome. One of my favorite characters. Vader, 
My favorite villain of all time, because I don't consider Danny a villain like you do, even though most people do, unfortunately, because of fucking season eight. But my point is, two of my favorite characters talk about a big fucking fall from grace. I still don't think it makes it right what either fucking one of them did. Can't sit here and defend that shit. And that's because they both let their own personal vendettas get in the way. If Vader listened to the Grand Inquisitor, it would have probably drawn Obi-Wan out again. Now... Yeah, because he's not... I do not think Obi-Wan would have just sat there while, like, all those people died. I don't think he would have done that. This isn't the meat cutter again. And on top of that, too, Leia's with them. So, like, the whole mission was to rescue Leia. So, Leia's with the path right now. He's just gonna let them, like, you know, go, ah, fuck it, I'm gonna go off on my own now. Like, no, he's gonna go back and try to rescue her again. So, like, if he thought for ten seconds about how best to approach the situation, we could be having a totally different discussion right now. But no, of course not. He decided he's going to make it personal, like you said, and sometimes you can't let personal feelings impact a business decision. So that's all I'll say there. And, uh, that's what I think it was, man. I think, you know, he's <laughs> dwelled on this shit for 10 years, and he said, I don't give a fuck <laughs> about those other people on that ship. I will go after them later because I don't really care because <laughs> they pose no threat to me. And he wanted to make it personal, just like Danny wanted to make it personal, and she burned down an entire fucking city. He did not give a fuck about an entire ship full of people that posed a threat that probably could have posed more of a threat with an uprising than just one person. He didn't give a shit, and he went after an escape pod instead. (laughs) And that's what happened. And I'm sorry, but, uh, you know, neither one of them... neither Danny and neither Vader chose to listen to their advisors and this is exactly why for instance whether it's a president whether it's a king whether it's a queen whether it's a prime minister whoever the fuck it is this is why not one person is supposed to just go with however they feel this is why you have people advise you in these situations but what can I say you know it is what it is. Uh, in a way, I guess it's for the better because if I, I still could probably argue, hopefully, uh, fate would bring balance to the force because that one person would still be saved in that situation. But then you can make the argument um, that if this happens, you know. Leia gets killed in the process and then you have a big fucking problem for much down the road so who really knows man but yeah I 100% uh, would say this is because he I don't think he's like stupid (laughs) I would say like I said he built a fucking pod racer when he was 10 however just like you said I 100% agree with you his ability to be blind and focus on his own personal and vendettas makes him um really doesn't think about the whole situation and one-sided which kiss kills his ability to be intellectual which killed anakin so so it's 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 a two-way it's a two-way uh, lightsaber here man but what are your thoughts on that i think that 
Obi-Wan said it best himself last episode when we had the flashbacks to the training. He says, Your need to prove yourself will be your undoing. And until you learn to overcome it, a Padawan you'll still be. So I think that, that really defines it excellently, in my opinion. That's exactly what Anakin slash Darth Vader did here as well. He felt the need to prove himself that, no, I am strong enough to overtake Obi-Wan alone. I can do this. And in his mind, like once if Obi-Wan's gone, the rest of everything doesn't matter. There's no one else. If I can take out Obi-Wan, there's not another being in this universe that is a match for me. So I'm going to focus on destroying this guy. And then whatever happens afterwards, I'm not even worried about it because I took out my biggest rival. And so... I'm thinking that might be what his mindset was, although he definitely is forgetting about a certain green character that doesn't make an appearance here. But anyways, uh, yeah, I think that, that in his mind, if, if he was able to kill Obi-Wan, get rid of Obi-Wan, he doesn't have anything. No, there's no one left to rival him in the Star Wars universe. So he's like, hey, no, instead of going ahead and taking out, like being smart about it and taking out this, uh, these insurgents here, this path first to destroy anyone that could ever undermine me and also in the process bring Obi-Wan back because he's going to want to come rescue Leia again, I'm just going to go kill Obi-Wan now because if I kill him now and he's got no chance to escape and, I, you know, and, I have, and I've got no one left to contend with because if he can't beat me, no one in this universe can beat me. And that's why I think his arrogance it was, is his, his downfall. He really thinks that you know, nothing else, he's untouchable in a way. And that is what really separated him from other Jedi. They understood that, you know, there, there's, there's a time to fight and there's a time to think. And, and in Anakin's mind, it's just fight, 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 fight. And it, you know, it ends up screwing him over at, at, towards the end, you know. And that's why he's left on that planet, helmet cracked, his suit destroyed in the center. And then he's got to go tail between his legs and go cry to Daddy Palpatine. Like, so, like, like, you know, at the end of the day, he's like, and Palpatine's like, I wonder if your feelings for your old master are, like, you know, are hindering you. And he's like, no, he means nothing. <laughs> but anyway, it's like, it just, it, it just is, it's really interesting because if you take a step back and you think for all of five seconds, you're like, wait a second, there's a better way that I can go about this. And I can, like I said, kill two birds with one stone and accomplish two things by making one act. And he doesn't. He's just like, nope, Obi-Wan, nope, Obi-Wan, not shut the fuck up, Grand Inquisitor. You don't know what you're talking about, Grand Inquisitor. You're only the Grand Inquisitor because I made you. So <laughs> you're just going to sit back and I'm going to tell you what to do. And you're going to listen to me. And you're going to, you know, and here's this, dude. Honestly, and I just thought about this, like, right now as we're talking about it. Why the fuck did he just say, hey, you know what's going to happen? You're going to drop my ship. I'm going to after one. You guys keep chasing after the insurgents. Like, he didn't even tell him to keep chasing. Like, you could have, like, at least, at least split the team. Like, hey, I'm going to go after number one. You guys continue your pursuit of this ship. No, he's like, nah, <laughs> no, take, God. nope, let's direct, direct all of our attention to Obi-Wan, bring the ship and everything. Like, we're going to go do this. Like, even that would have been a better move. Like, hey, listen, like, I'm not going to go after the, the path myself. I'm going to go after Obi-Wan. But Grand Inquisitor, you take command here and you bring down the path yourself. Nope, not even a thought in his mind crazy dude like absolutely ridiculous so yeah his arrogance is his undoing and that i guess that's the easiest way to answer my issues with with darth vader here and like what the hell was going on in his mind and why he couldn't have just really taken a step back and thought things through because there was a couple ways he could have gone about things and he went the exact wrong way with it so um yeah that, I mean, that that's just my debate and my thing i wanted to dive into what, what do you got for your debate today quick uh 
<laughs> question to you on your debate there though what's funny could you imagine explaining that like to your boss which in this situation is palpatine it's like well why didn't you, why didn't you just run the ball or why didn't you just you know here's your answer here why, well why didn't you just let that go we could have just got him later why didn't you just finish the project well, that wasn't very important to me. I didn't want to do what you said. <laughs> Fuck that. I wanted to do my own way. And uh, this was more important uh, for now. So we decided to go this other way. That's like saying, well, why didn't you just run the ball and you were on the 20-yard line? Well, fuck it, man. No, they gave us four downs to throw it. So I chose to throw the ball. Like, could you imagine even explaining how dumb that sounds? You know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of my one of my favorite moments in all of the Marvel movies that we have in Infinity Wars, where <laughs> Peter Quill, Star-Lord himself, <laughs> says, I like your plan, except it sucks, so you just let me make the plan, and that way it could be really cool. <laughs> so that's my favorite thought. And then he ends up fucking it up, just like Peter Quill ended up fucking it up for the Infinity Wars. So, yeah, dude, I, I, thought, I just thought that was super funny. But, yeah, I, don't, I would not want to explain uh, that to my boss when there were so many other simple uh, solutions that we could have went with, and, you know, we decided to take the wrong route, you know, but is what it is, man. Yeah, that, that, that's, that's my thought on that. But, uh, yeah, man, what do you got? Yeah, man. So my debate for today, and we'll get into more of like uh, potential spinoff series and stuff. Um, you know, we're not going to just leave you hanging on Star Wars. So we got a surprise for you coming up. But uh, for today, why do you think we're just now, you know, we've seen all these kind of full, full circle moments with actors. You know, we got Hayden Christensen back um you know as anakin and and vader with james earl jones and you know you had that whatever that new series was but the point is you have you know you have all these people like you know you had harrison ford return as han solo and you had mark hamill return as luke skywalker even in the mandalorian you know you had stuff with luke there at the end of season two all that stuff why is it just now at the very end we get like a 30 second appearance of Liam Neeson as Qui-Gon Jinn after all this time like why now is what I want to know I guess it, we're gonna see if there's anything that comes afterwards where he may be more involved so to speak but I guess what they did is they gave themselves an opportunity here to because, you know, Liam Neeson, he, he's a, an A-list actor, so it probably costs a pretty penny to bring him in for any sort of moments at all. You know, I, who knows what kind of budget they're working with. And, you know, obviously, he, like you said, he's only in there for, the, what, the last 30 seconds, 45 seconds of the episode. So who knows how much they had to pay him just for that little quick cameo there. Uh, it, what they, I think they did is they, it, it was a way to answer not so much the plot hole, but the cliffhanger we got from Revenge of the Sith, where Yoda had mentioned we're gonna, you're gonna learn how to communicate with your old master, and then we, all of a sudden we got nothing from that for so was it 2005 <laughs> when Revenge of the Sith came out? So was it 17 years? We got nothing from that for 17 years, and we're left like wondering, well, did Obi Wan ever contact Qui Gon? Because that never came up in the uh, the original trilogy, right? So it's like fuck. Um, so maybe that was their way of being able to to smooth that over and and say hey here it is now you know they communicated or it could also 
be like a stepping stone to a future maybe production where he might be more involved, so to speak. So that would be my answer to that. Yeah, I think it's more just like tying up loose ends. I think it was kind of more like a nod to the audience, like we didn't forget about you. Um, Second quick part to that is why the fuck have we never heard like any mentions of Yoda even then this new trilogy that was uh, whatever that was we talked about it before yeah yoda in there you know we never even really had any references to yoda or anything in this series do you think it's just because he's kind of irrelevant well keep in mind in the sequels um yoda's dead so like he's not gonna be mentioned well in, i remember like, his ghost like well, shows up yeah but like i'm talking about like an actual role and like a significant yeah, role yeah, into like yeah. the what the events that are playing out during the time periods but um no what basically why i don't know why he didn't make an appearance here i mean i the only thing i could guess is because the title sequence of the series was obi-wan kenobi not yoda uh so <laughs> <laughs> you know maybe they just wanted to have us follow uh obi-wan again and you know like we had mentioned we're gonna have some fun stuff for next week so i don't want to get too much into it but potentially maybe there's plans for him later on going into the future who knows uh but that would be my my only answer to that is why they didn't bring him up in this particular series is maybe they have future plans uh to do something similar that they did for obi-wan for for yoda himself so that's the only the only way i can kind of come up with something that makes sense and as to why he doesn't play like he's not even referenced i don't even think he's referenced yeah, that's once. What I was <laughs> like i'm surprised there was no reference at all and he's just chilling out in dagobah it's not <laughs> like he's doing shit not like he's dead right now he's just over there living in exile and he's you know you have obi-wan trying to reach out to his dead daddy dead mama and dead papa in the words of game of thrones over here and he he knows that yoda's well i don't know does he know yoda's still alive after that whole deal or do you think he's dead you know that's, that's a, good, a question. good question too because when they departed from revenge of the Fifth, he said i must now go into exile so i don't know if he ever stayed in contact that's something we <laughs> never said peace man <laughs> <laughs> he said Fuck you! <laughs> Fuck you! Good luck with your meat grinding, man. You got some meats to cut. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, dude. Like, I just think that uh, I don't know if they've been in contact at all. Maybe they sort of did the whole deal where, like, hey, like, I, I, Yoda might have on the side and they like, I'll contact you and I need you or something or or what. Maybe they have been in contact and we just don't know about it and it just wasn't brought up or referenced here. Or maybe, you know, I guess it's definitely, it's not, it's not outside the realm of possibility that Obi-Wan may think Yoda's dead. Especially because you can see, nicely enough, the way the progression of the series worked. Obi-Wan, having pretty much lost all of his abilities from Episode 1, is slowly getting them back to like full-form Ultimate Kenobi again by the time he has the ending battle with Vader. And he can see Qui-Gon, he's like fully in tune with the Force. So maybe it's to the point where he didn't know because he couldn't reach out with the Force because he lost those abilities. And now that he's at the full potential of what he was before, maybe now going forward he will be able to. I guess that could be something that they may play on. But yeah, that's that's the only thing I got for that. Yeah, 100%. I think they just said, fuck it, we're not going to reference it. I think it was probably more because, think of it too, like what's the other big series we've been talking about? Besides this one that's Star Wars right now, that's killing it in the Star Wars universe. Mandalorian. And what does everyone always reference on Mandalorian? Grogu. So, I mean, maybe they're like, okay, we're tired of talking about this right now. 
whatever you're on your own <laughs> so i mean i honestly don't know maybe it opens stuff up to the potential future i really like what you were saying a couple weeks ago you know maybe you got something that led up to like that whole dagobah incidents run to dagobah <laughs> but yeah no that's all i got for today man do you uh want to close us out yeah dude absolutely you know it's been really exciting to bring this obi-wan kenobi series to you guys uh, like this is this is it for the covering of the series itself talking about the events that take place but we always like to do anytime we do a long series i don't say long series six episodes but when we do like a marquee series we always like to do a bonus episode afterwards so we're not just leaving off on events that you can just see on screen yourselves so next week what we will be doing we'll be closing out the chapter of obi-wan kenobi in its entirety before we move on to our final uh, production that we're going to cover for season two of Factor Fantasy here. So to, to next week, we will be doing a bonus episode where we'll be doing some rankings of a few different categories. We'll also be talking about potential future productions as well, what we would like to see, what we think could be happening. So stay tuned for that. This is not over yet. Stay tuned next week. We're going to have a lot of fun with that episode. We always do. It's vintage Chase and Josh. So if you enjoy those episodes, we got another good one coming to you next week. But uh, in terms of here today, if this is your first time joining us, we hope you enjoyed what you heard. We hope you stick around for a long time. And speaking of those who have stuck around for a long time, if you have been with us since the very beginning, we're very, very, very grateful to you for being the shields that guard the realms of fantasy. And, you know, if you guys are wondering where you can find us, we're on all social media platforms. We're on Instagram at official ridiculous Patronus. We are on TikTok at ridiculous Patronus. Backup Instagram at fact underscore or underscore fantasy. Backup TikTok at fact underscore or underscore fantasy. We're also on Facebook, Chase and Josh Factor Fantasy. We have our fan page there. We're on YouTube, Ridiculous Patronus. We are we have our own website as well, ridiculouspatronus.blogspot.com. We're on Twitter rp factor fantasy we're on snapchat rp factor fantasy so please guys go ahead and follow us along send us likes requests uh any sort of audience engagement that is what we do this for so we really enjoy what we've received so far and and keep on doing that and in terms of the podcast itself if you're wondering where you can hear us you can go ahead and find us if you're an apple user on apple Podcasts, on itunes if you're an android user you can find us on spotify on google play you can find us on amazon music audible we're on podbean we're on iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Acast, wherever you get your podcast. Chase and Josh, Factor Fantasy are there. But we are out for the day because you know this has been another ridiculous production. Chase and Josh, Factor Fantasy, signing, signing off. off.